Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. Welcome to a special episode of the show brought to you in partnership with Arlington Economic Development, where we discuss issues related to the workforce, the role of place in the future of work, and the role of the creative sector in a larger business context. We call this Return on Creativity. You can learn more about Return on Creativity and register for our upcoming events at www.returnoncreativity.com. Today we have an excerpt from our July 13 event, Return on Creativity, Return to Work, featuring a panel with Amy D. Thomas from Arlington Community Federal Credit Union and Cecile Zawicki from Emil Learning. I hope you enjoy. I'd like to introduce um, our, our next panelists, and we're going to talk about managing, leading and managing hybrid workforces. Um, so with me, um, I'm going to have uh, Cecilia Zawicki and Amy Thomas. Uh, we're going to talk here. So if really, really, uh, really quickly, let's describe what a hybrid workforce is just for those, um, if there is any question. Um, you know, what we mean is, you know, there's 100% on-site, there's 100% remote, and then there's everything in between, right? There's some combination. Sometimes an individual might work some in the office, some from, from home. Sometimes there's workforces that are a mix of some remote and some, some in the office and, and so on and so forth. So um, what I'd love um, if, Amy, we can start with you, um, just introduce yourself and, and what you do and then just answer the question, um, you know, is the company that you work for 100% remote in office or, or hybrid? Hi, I'm Amy Thomas and I am at Arlington Community Federal Credit Union. I'm the chief of staff there and we have fully embraced a hybrid work environment. Yeah, so I'm Cecilia Rattelisawicki and I work for Emil Learning now. Um, and we are, um, like it kind of depends on the role on whether we are fully remote or fully in-person. However, there is a hybrid model to all of our in-person, but it is, um, it's uh, four days of the week, Monday through Thursdays in the office, and then Friday is remote. So kind of like what the last speaker was saying, it's, you know, flexible, but with some uh, requirements. Great, great. First, just a, a more general question, um, you know, in this, in this time, uh, it sounds like both both of your companies are hybrid to you know to to degrees and so what does success in a hybrid workforce look like uh, you know how how do you define um you know how you how you got here from from where you were perhaps and uh, again i'll start with amy um for our organization i think one of the key things that we have done um has been really philosophically changed the way how we see work so we keep hearing the phrase return to work. And what we all know is that none of us are returning to work the way we knew it pre-pandemic. And so I think naming it and saying that um, and embracing that has gone a long way. I think um, another thing that we have done to be successful is we have really, as we've been working in a hybrid environment and we're very, very similar 
um, to the other panelists in that there are certain positions that we are, you know, that can be hybrid and then some that have to be, can be full-time remote or full-time in the office. And so um, we've assessed productivity. So we've identified which positions work well in a hybrid environment. Um, just like the, the keynote said, flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. Uh, it is something that we have asked of both our staff, but even our members. So our members have also um, had to be flexible in the type of uh, business model that we've offered them. And so really listening to them, understanding what has worked well for them um, in terms of how we've served them has also, I think, been a key success of ours. And then I would say the other, the last thing, which is really, really key, is just ongoing staff engagement and cultivating a new culture. So our culture is completely different. And the things that we used to do when we were in, in office face-to-face, -face, we've had to be very creative and innovative through technology. Um, we've also had to work with our leaders on how to lead a hybrid staff um, and give them tools and, and things like that to be able to keep them motivated and, and morale high. So um, I would say you asked for a few things. I gave you a lot of things, but those are the things, those are some of the things that I think have been key to our success so far. Yeah. So when I think about it like very similarly, right? Like I kind of focus on three things when I'm looking at like the success of this hybrid workforce, similar to Amy, right? Like engagement. And especially when you're talking about like cultivating this new culture and environment, that is like absolutely essential because you always want to have your workers engaged and that piece of it. The next big one, right, is productivity. Like, do people have the setup that they need in order to be productive? And like recognizing that everyone doesn't need to have the same setup, right? Like we are all accepted that, you know, people learn differently, people contribute differently. You know, you always kind of joke about like developers, like in the basement, in their dark room, like coding away. But like, there is something to the fact that they might need it quiet and like to be able to concentrate and very focused. Um, I've worked at companies where they have like the development team in a completely different section than the sales team because having somebody talking constantly is really, you know, distracting. So like that productivity piece is really important. And then of course, like the happiness level, right? Like you want your employees to be happy. You want them to feel good about the work that they're doing. And in order to make sure that everyone's happy, it does look a little bit different for everyone, right? Like it might be happiness for them that they're able to pick up their kid every day at three o'clock and they're taking their lunch break from three to four. It might be happiness for them that they get to spend their lunch break walking their dog and eating outside at a park, right? And so it like understanding that like what people define as happiness is different for everyone is very, you know, I think it's very accepted in every place other than work. Like we think of happiness, right? As like, you're here, you like your coworkers and you're doing good work. And the reality is, is like, if you're engaged and you're productive and you're happy, everyone is going to be doing really good work. Yeah. Well, those are the three things that I like to focus on for that. How has hybrid work changed the approach to hiring and talent acquisition? You know, is there still, is there a focus on certain geographies? Is it, you know, has it opened things up? Like what's, what are, what are the thoughts as far as bringing on new talent? Yeah. So I think it depends on the role. Um, like significantly, right? So for a meal, we want all of our, cause like we're a newer company. So like we're iterating very quickly on like say product. So we want all of our product team in our LA office working together, really kind of iterating at that same, you know, kind of touch point. In a previous company that I was at, 
Um, our support team for COVID had always been in Salt Lake City and then it moved to being remote. And what we found in that instance was that we were able to hire a more diverse um, uh, like support staff person and also bilingual, like there just wasn't as many of the different languages that we needed to hire in Salt Lake. Whereas we were able to hire people in Miami and Virginia and other places in the country. But then also because that, because it was like the support team, right? They were doing like a 12 hour shift. You're now also able to have people coming in at like a normal time in their time zone versus like 6 a.m. in the mountains, right? So it's like, if you have like an East Coast person starting at eight, like that's not actually, you know, at all, you know, controversial or hard. It's like, well, yeah, that's what time work starts. Um, when you're talking about like the experts, I think this is where you're really able to diversify and hire the people that are best for the job versus having the first filter be like, well, where do they live and are they willing to relocate? So by able, like if there's roles that you don't need to hit those two things on and you're really just hiring the best person for the job, it really opens up, you know, your candidate pool and the type of backgrounds that they have, right? So if they're a single parent or they are, um, you know, younger, maybe still living with their parents, like a variety of different pieces, you're able to really diversify all of those different, you know, race, socioeconomic, um, language skills, all of those different pieces, which always creates a better business when you have more diversity. What we know is that, you know, we are in financial services. And so a lot of what we do takes place face-to-face -face if you're in our branches, but then we have our, you know, our contact center um, agents as well. And so what we've learned is that we have to be competitive. We can't go and do things the way we always have done them, you know, and so, and we have to move fast because people have options. So while, um, you know, unemployment was, you know, was ticking through in the pandemic going up, like our area, it remained competitive in the DC area. We didn't feel that. And so, um, you know, it has, it has made us look at our policies, look at our hiring, look at where, how our job descriptions are in terms of, are, are they saying we're hybrid? Are they saying that we're a flexible, you know, environment? All of our uh, interviews have been, have changed. They're all virtual versus before we would bring people into the office um, and, and do them face-to-face. -face. Um, so I think a lot of it has changed. Our HR team has, had, has to have come a little bit more abreast around just labor laws. Um, we didn't have a hybrid, necessarily a hybrid workforce before. We had full remote teams in different states. And so for us to embrace a fully hybrid or a more um, broad, a geographic workforce, there's just a lot of proactive things that you have to put in place before you go there. And I think that's where our team is now, is trying to identify which states we, we can allow people to work from, what the setups are, what our policies and procedures are gonna be from bringing them back to the office and identifying that so that there's consistency and equity, you know, across um, our business units and our employees. So it's, it has definitely made our wheels spin um, and we haven't um, moved too, too fast on that, you know, um, just because we want to be proactive versus reactive. But um, looking into the future, I do think that this is opening up, you know, a sea of talent across, you know, the country as we continue to grow and modify, you know, 
how we look at talent going forward. What are some of the, let's call it the stickier issue, you know, what are, what are some of the bigger issues that um, you kind of see are, are going to be tough ones over the, over the months ahead? Yeah, I mean, I think we just experienced one of them, right? Like, I think that's kind of the biggest thing when there's a technology issue that's like out of our control. Um, that's always challenging. And we see that, you know, always. Um, and there's really, there's just times where there's like nothing you can do about it. Um, I think the other really big challenge that I have recognized, like luckily I'm in the center of the country, I'm based in Denver. Um, so I'm in that like kind of middle time zone. I also get up early. So like working East Coast hours or being two hours ahead is fine. Now, when I have some clients or people that I'm talking to that are in Alaska or Hawaii, and what I'm getting at is right, the time zone issue. So I think that's always something that's hard to solve, especially when you're trying to do employee engagement things outside, like that aren't just work, right? You can kind of have those five core work hours that the four main time zones, everyone's in, and it's like totally, you know, working great and no issue. Now, when you're trying to do like a happy hour, like a remote happy hour to get everyone to get to know each other and get on and chat, it's like, do you close your Pacific Coast office at 2 p.m.? Right. Or do you like, so I think those are like the more difficult ones. Um, even like scheduling a lunch, right? All of a sudden it's like 11 o'clock for one person and two o'clock for another. So I think the technology and the time zones are always the two hardest things to solve for. Um, but also like very solvable. Like they're not something that is so, it's like not something that's such a big hurdle that you can't solve for it. Um, but you have to have really reliable technology or as reliable as you can get it to be. And then um, the time zones, you just kind of, in my opinion, you just kind of kind of short end people and you rotate who gets short ended. You know, so as we saw, you know, even in the opening video, and, and I'm sure we've heard lots of stories in the news, I, I follow this um, quite regularly of, you know, these companies taking very hard stances, you know, some have been, hey, let's open it up anybody, you know, anybody anywhere, some have been no, everybody's coming back on X date. Do you think that, uh, you know, to try to like extrapolate 12 months out, let's say, you know, are some of those companies that have taken these extreme stances going to still be there? Or, you know, where, where do you see things kind of netting out with the, I would say on the, on the fringe, you know, hybrid, I think right. somewhere in the middle, I companies can probably keep it, but, you know, do you see those sticking where they are? I mean, I think it depends on what employees choose, right? Like, so if you have a set of people that say, okay, I'll go back, or especially if it's like a specific industry, right? Like there's some industries that, it kind of makes more sense are needed to be in person more. Um, I think those companies will be fine. The hard stance will be fine, right? They're going to get back to where they're at. Yeah. Um, if employees continue to say, no, I don't really care. I want to live in the mountains or I want to be able to have access to the best skiing in the world, you know, in a two hour drive, or, you know, I want to have a lower cost of living and I don't want to live in your big city. Um, those are all going to be things that are going to drive what that outcome looks like in 12 months. Um, I don't, I think when it comes to like employee happiness and engagement and productivity, I think companies are getting ahead of themselves, taking too hard of a stance in any one spot. I think you're always adjusting and responding and learning from your employees. Um, and I think that's part of what makes really strong cultures. And we all know like businesses that have the strongest cultures do the best long-term. Um, so I think you'll see that, right? And you might end up having a culture that decides, you know what, we're going to be remote 
three weeks of the month and then one month or one week of the month, we're all going to get together and do something. So I think we're all learning and gaining, like, what do these models look like? And if we are going to be a really hard stance company, I'm like, this is what we're doing. Um, understanding that there are, you know, positives and negatives that come with any sort of hard stance. Yeah. And I can just uh, follow up to that, actually. I mean, you mentioned culture and, you know, it, it being a unique thing to a culture, it, it almost feels like it's going to be part of a brand. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're now kind of getting away from, again, everybody in the office, that's easy to understand. There's work hours and, you know, maybe some people work a little later or earlier or whatever, but mm -hmm. that's very easy to define, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five. We almost have infinite variability right now, right? So do you see that, like, how do you define that for potential, potential employees, even current employees? Like, is that going to be part of a brand as well? Or, you know, what, how does, how does an, a company, do they need to come up with new vocabularies to talk about this stuff? What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing, right. Is like, it's important whenever you're, especially when you're like somebody who's joining a new company for them to have a very clear understanding of what the expectations are of in-person remote, all of those pieces. So there's that part of it that does become part of the vernacular and part of like, you know, we're in like an LA based company first, we have some roles that are remote, but not all roles. And right. so being able to be very clear and like not vague, kind of like any expectation, right? That you have of an employee, it needs to be very clear. I think we'll continue to see that when it comes to the culture building piece of it. I think it's interesting um, thinking back to a previous company that I was working with and like working on this model. And when we, like we uh, surveyed the employees to say, okay, well, do you want to come back? Do you not? What does it look like? All that. And what the results came back was, I don't want to come back to the, like the in-person to sit there and work. I want to come back in person to do the social things. So that also changes it, right? Like, so does it monthly team dinner or monthly team drinks or something that is, you know, bowling, something like that, that would fulfill that need for people to feel connected um, in that culture building mode, but then have the actual work itself be done remotely. Um, I think all of those pieces are kind of in process, but I do think anytime you're bringing on an employee, you need to have a position and a guiding kind of principle of like where you stand on remote work because you don't want to hire someone. And then in six months say, you know what, we've changed our mind. We want everybody to now be in LA and oh, I understand you live in Tahoe or, you know, Omaha. So you need to move to LA. And they're like, no, I mean, I've never intended to move there. Right. So I think as long as those conversations are happening early on, um, it's a much easier culture and understanding to have. What would it look like um, if businesses change the definition of, of engagement? So, you know, for, for example, there's uh, non-work activities like happy hours, and other things like that. Um, uh, knowing how important happiness is, why don't more businesses integrate engagement and productivity ultimately changing what work really means? Uh, I mean, that is, I think, the core of all of this, Teresa, right? So I think when you have kind of a older vision or belief of what you think, you know, engagement looks like, that's where some businesses don't do a great job of building a strong culture. And that all kind of makes things fall apart, right? Because if you have a toxic culture 
or you lack like HR leadership that really understands what it is that people need or how to build actually, you know, team building conversations versus pushing people away. Um, those are all really important things. And that's what happens when, I mean, we all know you can literally have one person in a business that completely changes the culture that everyone impacts, even if the culture is a hundred plus people, right? So that is really, I think the important piece for you know leaders is to make sure that when they're talking about engagement, we're expecting people to show up as their authentic self and to contribute in a way that is authentic and significant. So we then need to make sure that the way that we're defining engagement aligns with whatever is going to make them happy because happy people, right? Like they're going to be more productive. They're going to be more engaged and overall you're going to have a more complete um, employee. One of the things that I would say is for people who oversee the people and who take care of the people is listen to the people. Um, we have, uh, they, they, we have a culture that um, finds solutions. And so we try to find solutions both for our members as well as our internal staff. And that goes, you know, that, that idea is the same, even working with them through a hybrid environment. Um, as Cecilia was talking about earlier, and she was talking about the happiness factor and what that means, like where we get satisfaction in our work varies for different people. And so I think having the mindset of our culture around flexibility, around giving them the tools to feel successful um, in order to do their job, because everybody comes to work to want to do their best. And we believe that I think um, being as consistent with the new way of working as possible, even though we know that there's gonna be differences, but making sure you have clear outline policies and guidelines to help um, your staff understand as well, as well as your leaders to be able to navigate and support um, the staff while keeping business operations going is, is, is gonna be key as well. And I just, you know, I can't say it enough, consistent in communi consistent communication um, and communicating in different ways over and over and over again um, from leadership, I think is, is key in a hybrid working environment um, and, and just engagement. Keep, keep your staff involved, keep them um, connected to your mission and, and your vision and why you do what you do. Um, you know, in a hybrid env environment, it is, it is tough, but at the same time, I do think that when you get those opportunities to connect and build relationships, it goes a long way. So I know that was a mouthful, but I think all of those things are key to keep your eye on as, as business leaders in your organizations. Uh, thanks, Amy and Cecilia, for, for your thoughts and your insights today. Um, and looking forward to, um, to continuing this, this dialogue. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World Podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.